This is Michael Miracle, producer of the I Work For Him radio program. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast. You can catch the show live weekdays from 3 o'clock until 4, locally in Tampa Bay on AM 570 and 910 WTBN and online at letstalkfaith.com and iheartradio.com. And swing by our website for all things I Work For Him at iworkforhim.com. That's iwork4him.com. And now, today's podcast broadcast. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio as we blast the waves of I Work For Him across the nation, from sea to shining sea and across the fruited plain. You, know, we're, you can find us right here in Tampa Bay on AM 570 and 910 and FM 102.1, but online at iHeartRadio, letstalkfaith.com. You could also hear us on iTunes, Google Play Music, and Stitcher. However you hear the show today, just know that it is my prayer. Every time before we start a show, Martha and I take a moment and pray, whether Martha's on the show or not. And we just pray that something we say today would cause you to dig deeper into your faith, that will cause you to dig deeper into connecting what you hear on Sunday with what you do in your nine to five. You see, your workplace, it's your mission field. And in that mission field, you and me, we may be the only Jesus our coworkers and employees may ever meet. Stop to think about it. What you hear on Sunday in every way can be applied to what you do in your quote-unquote nine-to-five. We need to understand it. And what's the significance of this? The eternity of the lives of millions of people depends on you taking your faith to work. You see, when you put Christ, when you when you finally put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, you don't get to say, okay, here's what we're going to let you take control of, and here's what we're going to keep you out of. No. When you become a Christ follower, everything about you changes and is changing the rest of your life. Bring your faith to work. Allow your faith to impact everything you do, and watch people get attracted to the light that lives within you. Hey, today we're going to talk about an interesting conversation that can be brought into any segment of society. We're talking today about mission creep. No, not creepy mission people. Mission creep or mission drift. You know, when have you ever worked in an organization that said, hey, this is what our mission is, this is what we're going to do, and then you go, but wait a minute, the stuff we do all day long has nothing to do with that mission that's on the wall. Or what about you personally? You've got a mission. This is what you're on a mission to do. You really feel like God has called you to this and this is your mission. And yet you find yourself being distracted in lots of different directions doing good things instead of the great things that God has in front of you. Well, here to have this conversation with me today is none other than Tony Dale. Now, Tony Dale is the, is the CEO of Sidera Health, and he is an amazing man who's been following the Lord for so many years. And he said, Jim, I really want to bring this conversation to the I Work For Him audience today. Tony Dale, welcome back to I Work For Him. Jim, thank you so much. It's a delight to be on the radio with you again and just looking forward to what the Lord brings out of our conversation today. You know what I'm, you know what I'm looking forward to? Next month, face-to-face with Tony Dale right there in Austin, Texas. That's right. And we're looking forward to that, too. That's going to be a great occasion. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about mission creep, okay? All right, I know I've heard it called that. You said mission drift. That's just nicer. I think that's because you're British, and you say things nicer. Americans just tend to go, slam, there you go, mission creep. Why, did, why was mission drift something that you thought our audience should hear about, talk about, and, and gain from our conversation? 
Well, thank you for asking. Uh, Mission drift is an incredibly important concept because it happens everywhere, uh, and the tragedy is it happens without people even noticing. Uh, And let let me give you an example from, uh, you know, that was very relevant to me growing up. Uh, My parents were medical missionaries, uh, and in fact, uh, my grandfather was also a medical missionary out in China. So, uh, you know, I have a strong missions heritage. And, you know, there are mission hospitals just all over the place, uh, including in Taiwan, where I grew up. Uh, But how many of those hospitals that began absolutely crystal clear that they were there not only to serve people's sort of physical or perhaps emotional needs, but also to serve their spiritual needs, uh, are now really treating the whole person. Uh, And it was something my dad really just uh, helped uh, me to be very aware of, uh, that in doing something good, uh, which hopefully is what most companies and businesses and certainly most hospitals and medical practices do, you can easily drift from what you were called. And that's a call from God to let people see the love of Christ. Have you, you know, and, and I've heard this talked about, and I, again, as we talk about mission drift today with Tony Dale, I've heard people, Tony, talk about this both personally you know, in their own lives, hey, this is the mission I'm on, and yet, and yet we get distracted. Like, you know, sometimes I find myself just, let's just do a, use a lousy example, but I'm on my way to the kitchen, and I get distracted by the laundry. After I'm done with the laundry, I get distracted by the vacuuming, and, and I, but I went all the way along. I was trying to go eat lunch. That happens with us personally, where the Lord calls us to go do, well, let's just say it's radio, but I get distracted with trying to do some other ministry and get started on some other ministry mission drift getting off of the task that we've been called to that is a great thing a lot of times we get drifted by good things don't we oh we we do indeed i mean you know something i've seen repeatedly uh is uh you know young people i'm thinking of university students uh who know that god's called them uh to to serve him abroad let's say uh maybe maybe that's quite specifically a call into some sort of mission context uh, and, you know, they're on fire for the Lord through university. Uh, but then when university is all over, uh, you know, they've already fallen in love with someone, and uh, the wedding is just a month or two uh, after, uh, and that person may or may not share their call to the mission field. Uh, and then they're into a job because, after all, I've got, I've got to have a good job so I can pay off all of my student loans. Uh, and before you know it, five years have gone by, Uh, And they're still on the treadmill uh, instead of saying, Lord, if you called me, surely you would provide a way that I could go. Uh, And, you know, that's at a personal level. Now, of course, when we get to a a business, a corporate level or uh, whatever, uh, it's even more insidious than that. So let's step back then and talk about organizational mission first. And let's just describe what is a, what is a, well, we're not going to say what is a mission statement. We're going to talk about what is a mission of an organization, whether it's a corporation, a nonprofit organization, a governmental organization, whatever it may be. What is mission? Well, you know, I, I, I was thinking that through because I knew it was a question that you would ask me. And, you know, people talk about uh, their, their mission statement or maybe their vision statement. Uh, I, I think the simplest way to understand the concept of mission uh, really is to say, what answers why we do something? What, what is the driver internally that provides our why? 
uh, and particularly in the business world, you know, in a radio program such as this, where, you know, we're thinking through what it means for, for you know, each of us to work for him. Uh, why do I do what I do? And, and how does that impact it? Uh, and the answer is it impacts it in all sorts of ways that even secular writers uh, talk about. Uh, for example, uh, I, I think it's uh, Cynic. Uh, who did a fantastic TED Talk on knowing your why uh, and, and helping business leaders uh, just think through that the why is what drives things. Uh, if, if people are reading books like maybe Bold or uh, Exponential Organizations uh, and some of the thinking that's coming out of Silicon Valley, uh, they'll be uh, familiar with uh, what many people in those sort of circles call a massively transformational purpose or an MTP. Uh, this is the why that drives them to be able to create the extraordinary things that they're creating. Uh, so, yes, uh, the mission is why am I doing this? Okay, so let's take that to Sidera Health so we can make this personal because I personally believe that the model example that you put forth at Sidera is a model that our nation should be following. But what is the mission of Sidera Health? And I know we're not here promoting Sidera today, but I, did, I brought it up. I really want people to, to know what's that mission. Uh, well, Jim, I'd, I'd love to describe it in relation to what it looks like to, to the mission, the call of Sidera. Uh, and just to, to provide a tiny bit of context so people know what I'm talking about, uh, within Sidera, what we've done is we've found a way to take the Christian healthcare sharing model, uh, that model of sharing each other's uh, medical needs uh, within the community, uh, and we found a sort of legal and appropriate way to bring this into the corporate marketplace where it could be available for everyone. Tony Dale, we're talking with Tony Dale today. Tony Dale's in Lubbock, Texas. Tony Dale, I forgot what today is. You just finished going to the Kingdom at Work conference, didn't you? That is correct. I can't believe I forgot that today was the last day. Can I just take a step aside and just creep off of my mission for today? And you tell us, about, tell us about what Casey Brewer and Rick Beatenbow brought to the table at the Kingdom at Work Conference in Lubbock, Texas, because we talked about this a month ago on the air. What happened? Uh, I'd love to tell you this has to be one of the best. Uh, they called it a workshop, sort of a, a hybrid between a conference and a workshop uh, that I've been to in many years. Uh, Beatenbow Homes is a Christian uh, company uh, involved in building residential homes. Uh, they're large. They build probably around 1,000 homes a year. Uh, that means they touch a lot of people, a lot of staff, a lot of customers, uh, a lot of subcontractors. Uh, and they've been on a mission for the last 20 years, really, uh, to figure out what does it look like uh, to be Jesus uh, as a builder. Uh, what, what would Jesus do? Uh, and the way that they've worked that out in terms of uh, living that before all of their employees and uh, their vendors and uh, the very people that they serve by making the homes uh, is just a classic story of uh, the walk of faith uh, of letting an ordinary business uh, become something extraordinary because of the presence of Jesus. Uh, and that's what they were talking about. And uh, they brought it across loud and clear and lots of opportunity for all of us there to uh, think through in small groups and discuss and apply into our own situation. So uh, an incredibly helpful time. Wow. And lots of roundtable discussions, not just a lot of talking heads, but lots of discussions. 
at least half the time, I would say, in small roundtables discussions, six or seven people uh, actively hammering the sort of issues, the challenges, the what does this look like when I go back home. All right, last question about the Kingdom at Work Conference in Lubbock, Texas that just got done. Next year, I hope I get to be there. Tell me, what was the neatest story you heard from a business person on how they're connecting their faith to their work? Wow. Uh, How do you condense sort of two and a half days into uh, (laughs) one story? Uh, I I think perhaps uh, one of the the most helpful stories for me uh, came from uh, the person who uh, is is now the uh, the CEO, or maybe maybe he's the president. I don't know all the titles, uh, but who uh, grew up uh, through the ranks uh, of the company. He was an IT nerd. He said he was uh, he was absolutely the definition of what introvert means. Didn't know how to relate to people, uh, as he described what they have built among their employees of a relationship model. Uh, that just so honors every person. Uh, and to hear their description of how their goal with every employee they work with is to be able to present that person mature in Christ, able to accomplish and be everything that God's called them to be. Mm. I love that. All right. Thanks for sharing, taking that little sidetrack for us uh, and talking about that. I just, I had forgotten all about today being October the 26th, and I really wanted to highlight that. That was really cool. All right. Tony Dale, you were starting to say right before the break, we're talking about the mission, the why for Sidera Health. Go ahead and tell us, what's the why? Okay. Well, the, the why for me began with the passage of the Affordable Care Act. Uh, and the Affordable Care Act gave an exemption to the Christian healthcare sharing ministries, groups like Samaritan Ministries or MediShare or Christian Healthcare Ministries, uh, but it limited the exemption uh, just to people who were a part of their ministries uh, and who could sign their statement of faith. In other words, just to very active evangelical Christians. And I ask myself, why would a country uh, limit people's access to something which has been working for the last 25 or 30 years really well and is providing health care to people at half the cost of what they pay to the insurance companies? Uh, And so for me, that's where my why started. And as I dug into the question, uh, I'm just a firm believer that, uh, that all truth is God's truth. And that that means that what we find in God's Word and the patterns that are based on scriptural principles uh, are transferable, that, uh, you know, uh, the, the whole earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. He's established it. You know, the principle of sowing and reaping works whether you're a Christian or not. Uh, and in the same way, the principles that apply to healthcare economics are going to work when they follow biblical principles, which unfortunately so much of the uh, sort of current insurance model does not do. Uh, so my why began to grow, because I wanted to show the world, and I literally mean the world, the, the, the people who don't know Jesus, I wanted to show them that the patterns in God's Word work. And so my why became three things that I can share very briefly. The first is that it would be Christ-centered, that we would have a model that everybody, believer and unbeliever, saw it was impacted because Jesus is at the center. That secondly, it would be community-focused, 
uh, meaning that people would see the power of community. In Acts 4, it says there was no need among those early Christians, because whenever any had a need, they shared. And that same pattern of sharing is something we can do in a highly organized way with our medical bills. And then thirdly, I felt what the Lord was giving me was that it was going to be consumer-driven. That's our third C, Christ-focused, sorry, Christ-centered, community-focused, but consumer-driven, meaning that when we take personal responsibility for our health, then we can really begin to impact the cost of health. So that's my why. I love that. I know that's not what you plan on going through today, but I really want to make sure people heard that because I love what you're doing. Every time I get a chance to tell anybody, anybody near Washington, like, come on, you guys, you got to get Tony Dale. He's got to get in with the, the, he should be on the cabinet. Oh, okay. (laughs) You're very kind. (laughs) Okay. So we're talking about mission drift today, where people set a mission where you started out Christ-centered, community-focused, consumer-driven Give some examples of what mission drift might, what it looks like. Maybe there's some examples from some past organizations that set missions that drifted off that we all know about. Do you have some examples of what mission drift looks like for some organizations out there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it'd be easy to pull uh, out of the hat uh, various, you know, household name companies or universities. I mean, uh, take Harvard University. Uh, obviously, it's uh, the best known of the Ivy League schools. It's, uh, you know, certainly uh, within the top five universities in the world. Uh, it's, it's a magnificent example of the, the power uh, of the intellect. But that's not where it began. Uh, it began as a Christian seminary uh, training people for work uh, as church leaders. Its first president was Jonathan Edwards, whose name is most closely associated with the first great uh, awakening in the United States, in the colonies. A tremendous revival among Jonathan Edwards, out of which the university grew uh, to bring more people to Christ. Uh, And yet in 1987, uh, the president of the university could say, apparently with little sense of irony, uh, that it was perfectly clear uh, that there was no part of that original mission now left in there uh, in the work that they do. Uh, and what a tragedy that is. Or if you take, uh, you know, maybe on a, a, a more sort of uh, uh, current basis, uh, uh, the, the, the gyms that we now know as the Y. Uh, I love the Y. Uh, but the Y 20 years ago or 40 years ago when I was growing up wasn't the Y. It was the YMCA, the Young Men's Christian Association. <laughs> Most wives actively promoted Christ and openly shared the gospel. Uh, But now you go to the Y and you might as well go to Lifetime Fitness or something else. They're really uh, just just a monument to uh, the importance of helping people be healthy. Uh, And so maybe there are exceptions to that. I don't know. But uh, you understand the drift when you see what something started for and where it ends up now. Uh, And that is the drift. And when things drift, what happens? What's lost? Well, well, so much is lost. I mean, let's take something like the Pew Foundation. Now, I don't know if everybody would know that name uh, who's listening to this, but they're a very well-known research organization. They uh, grew out of the, the work uh, of a wonderful, godly man who worked very, very closely 
uh, with Billy Graham, was very supportive of Billy Graham's work, and uh, the Lord had blessed in his businesses, and uh, he established this foundation with, you know, massive resources that uh, the pews had wanted uh, to really serve the kingdom of God. Uh, but within one generation, because the structures were not put in place, because uh, the things that would prevent mission drifts, having the right people on the board and having board documents that make it plain, you know, what the money was given for, uh, before you know it, uh, it's funding things that the pews themselves would have been horrified to be supporting, uh, organizations like Planned Parenthood. Uh, and so mission drift will happen incredibly quickly unless we're intentional about preventing it. Uh, that talks that, that that gets into perpetuation plan and and really mentoring the next generation. We're talking with Tony Dale today about mission drift. Do you have a mission in life? Are you on task? Are you or are you drifting? Let's talk about how this impacts something like the medical world that you work in. Well, how does it? I mean, what what does it what does that look like there? Well, uh, I mean, let's go back to my days as a family doctor. Okay. Uh, how many years were you a family doctor? And just start, let's tell the audience. How many years were you a family doctor? Uh, I was active in medicine uh, outside, of course, my medical training for about uh, 12, maybe 15 years. Okay. So, uh, you know, in, in, in those days, just like now, uh, my primary call and passion was to serve Jesus. I want to be one of those who looks to see what my father is doing and join him in it. Uh, and that meant that the patients that would come to see me, uh, there would be many for whom the root cause of, of their need was something spiritual. Uh, and I wanted to be open to the Holy Spirit to, to learn how to point them to Jesus. Uh, now, I think lots of doctors begin with, uh, if you like, a why, that would be something like that. But then you get into the busyness of life, you get into the pressure. I was working under the British National Health System and uh, the, the pressure of how many patients you had to see every day and you know, perhaps only having five or six minutes available for each patient and needing to make sure I took care of their medical needs. Uh, and all of a sudden, without noticing it, you find that there aren't any opportunities anymore. No, it's not there aren't any opportunities anymore. It's that I'm not listening to the Holy Spirit anymore. Uh, and I found, and I had to regularly remind myself and really let this become an intentional pattern, that before every uh, time of, of my sort of office hours, I would literally pray over the list, the, the, uh, the list of those who I was going to be seeing, and I'd say, Lord, make me sensitive to what you want to say by your Holy Spirit today to anyone who needs a touch from you. And when you're intentional, there's opportunity everywhere. And what a great statement that is. And it is, but it is hard when we're busy. We're always got, we've got the end in mind instead of, we've got the end in mind like a task. And we a lot of times miss the people along the way. When you found yourself on mission, praying for the Lord to open your eyes to the the needs, the spiritual needs of of your patients versus the days you were just trying to get through the list so you get home, how well, exponentially, what was the impact on your patients? Well, I, I remember one six-week period. I mean, this, this was just a glorious period where every day we saw a patient give their life to the Lord in the office. Oh, my. Uh, now, obviously, this was, this was a team thing. You know, it, it became incredibly easy for me to open the door. You know, maybe a patient was facing surgery, and I'd say something to them like, well, uh, you know, I, I know it's kind of scary facing surgery, and 
you know, obviously the surgeon's going to be skilled and experienced and is going to do a great job. But, uh, you know, is, is there anything that I could pray for you in regard to that surgery? And uh, they might say, oh, you know, just that uh, if God's there and he's really listening, if, if he could put my heart at peace or, you know, give my uh, wife uh, peace that uh, everything's going to be okay. I'd, I'd love it if God takes care of the family while I'm, I'm going to be off in the hospital for a week. Uh, and so, you know, into that context, it would be so easy either to pray for them myself uh, or to pass them over. I had a nurse who was a wonderful natural evangelist, uh, and we just worked uh, t- together in a way that uh, saw, as I described, literally every day for six weeks, uh, one of our patients give their life to Jesus. That is so cool. That is, I mean, I know the bigger words. It's awesome. It's unbelievable. What? How cool is this? Is great. Now, that's what happened to you personally when, as a doctor, you went off mission. You, you creeped off your mission. You drifted off your mission. What happens when a hospital or, you know, local providers drift off mission? What, what does that look like, and, and how does that impact people? Well, maybe I could describe what happened uh, in one of our companies. Okay. Uh, Because, you know, this mission drift is a very real issue uh, in corporate life. Uh, When I started the Caris Group and we began uh, helping the Christian Healthcare Sharing Ministries uh, make sure that their members were getting fair prices, uh, you know, uh, it was super clear because it was just me. Uh, and then God's blessing, and it's beginning to grow, and you've got more staff. And, you know, to start with, I was uh, training the staff on uh, how to make sure that as we're dealing with families, make sure that we're dealing with the whole person. You know, we're not just helping with their medical bills, but uh, they're perhaps frightened about what's going on. Maybe there's a family member who uh, is seriously sick. Maybe there's someone who's just died. You know, re- remember that behind your conversation, which is usually to help on the financial side, there's a real person struggling. Uh, and so, you know, in those early days, we uh, found many, many opportunities to, to pray with people over the phone. And when I say found opportunities, I don't mean that we were digging in. Where You know, the last thing I'd want is anyone bashing someone over the head with a Bible, uh, you know, who, who's on the phone, you know, very frightened and worried because of massive bills that they don't know how they'll get paid. Uh, but into that, when there's any sympathy... Uh, when there's any real love and uh, uh, sort of openness, uh, just, again, very simply by uh, asking a person, you know, I, I, I know you're worried. Uh, would it be helpful if I uh, asked if I, if I prayed for you? Or would you like to speak to uh, the chaplain we have available? That creates many opportunities. But mm. before you know it, everybody's getting so busy and there's so much work all of a sudden, again, there are no opportunities, meaning nobody's noticing that they're dealing with people who are hurting inside rather than people who are just concerned about uh, the actual financial cost of their medical incident. Uh, and well, uh, we've had to come back to that again and again. Well, and isn't it true? You know, when organiz- there's so many organizations that get started up, they've got truly philanthropic uh, goals. They, they truly have their people-centered goals. They truly have gospel-centric goals, and often people drift. And I'm not saying that's what happened at the Caris Group. I'm just talking about, I think of hospitals, and there's so many hospitals been founded in the name of Jesus that today you'd, you'd, you'd be hard-pressed to find them. Do you, do you find that as you're dealing with hospital organizations that you know were founded with Jesus in mind? Do you, do you see 
the drift in those kinds of medical organizations? Um, sadly, the answer to that is absolutely. I mean, you know, every time you have a hospital, which is a saint something, you know, it's probably a, a Catholic or maybe an Anglican or a Presbyterian, you know, foundation hospital. Uh, and yes, they may have maintained their academic standard, uh, but is Jesus allowed on the halls? Uh, sadly, often the answer is no. Uh, and that is an absolute classic example of mission drift that is happening everywhere all over the country. All right, so, you know, you're not 30 anymore, just like I'm not 30 anymore, and you've got two phenomenal organizations, Sidera Health and the Karis Group. How do you make sure that when you're no longer involved on an actively daily basis, how are you making sure that the mission that the Lord laid on your heart is perpetuated, not just to the next generation, which you get to handpick, but to the generations beyond that? How do you, how do you make sure that you create a mini-me before you go? Okay, well, Jim, you're asking a really foundational question, and it's something we've been thinking about a lot. Uh, and I think the starting place is having a true intentionality about this. Uh, it, 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 you know, I think we'd like to think that maybe life is neutral. Uh, so, you know, oh, I'm an active Christian, so, uh, you know, I'll tell you if anything changes. No, it's not like that. Uh, if you're an active Christian, you work at this. I mean, Ephesians 6 says, uh, and having done everything, stand. Uh, we, we, we need to not only do the everything, we need to stand strong, we need to stand firm, we need to be uh, intentional. This means looking at uh, how you choose your leadership. It means looking at uh, how your board is constituted. It uh, means looking at where the finances go. It means uh, pre-thinking through the implications as uh, you begin making money, what's going to happen to that money. Uh, you know, so many people start with generosity on their minds, uh, but then the more money they make, it seems for some of them, the harder it uh, becomes to give that money away. You've got to learn how right from when you have nothing to be generous. And then into that context, as God begins to bless, there's just so much room to grow. Uh, so I would underline the importance of intentionality. Mm. And, and I know you've been doing that already with Sidera because you've got Jamie Lagarde in there, right? Uh, we do indeed, and uh, Jamie and others on our team, uh, we, we, for example, take uh, all of the team through that book, Mission Drift, uh, written by uh, two of the leaders within Hope International. And uh, for any of your listeners today who are wanting to go deeper, I couldn't recommend a better book than the book of that title, Mission Drift. Mission Drift. In, in crude language, mission creep, where you're, you know you're supposed to be heading in a certain direction with your organization or with your, with your business or with your personal life, and yet distractions or inattentiveness cause you to get off track. And we're talking about how do we stay on track on the mission, the calling that God has on our lives, whether it's personally or corporately? And what do we do when we've creeped off or drifted off to get back? And how do we perpetuate it in our absence? And Tony, I, I love the conversation because, you know, for four and a half years, we've been on the air and I work for him, 900 shows just yesterday. And all along, I realized that there's going to be a day when I will not be able to do the radio show any longer. And between now and that point in time, I know that I've got to find, first of all, 
people younger than me that are equally as excited about connecting faith and work, connecting what is what we hear on Sunday with what we do in our quote unquote nine to five, because the eternity of millions of people is at stake. And, and I know that I've got to have a perpetuation plan in place. I've got to start mentoring and finding those people, although I know the Lord will bring them to me, but that mission that it's never about I work, Ram, it's always about whatever the Lord is doing around the country. That is something that I've got to cast that vision and, and make sure that mission stays on task and it is hard for me when I'm on my own to stay strictly on mission. Because sometimes I, I hear about this great story and it kind of pulls me off over here to the right or great story pulls me off over here to the left. So I get this. This mission drift is a big deal. It's a Tony, huge deal. <clears throat> have you ever found you and Felicity drifting off your mission? Wow, that's a very personal question. And uh, <laughs> Sorry, you don't have to answer uh, it if you don't want to. No, no, it's, it's important to answer it, uh, because I, I think the Scriptures tell us, I think it's in 1 Corinthians uh, oh, 12, maybe, or I may have it wrong, maybe it's 2 Corinthians, uh, but it says, let he who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. Uh, drifting is something that all of us, not just have a potential for, but will actually do if we're not intentional about growing. There's a fascinating verse in James chapter 3 where it says, you know, the wisdom from above is pure and peaceable and open to reason. Uh, But it goes on to say, but the wisdom from below is first of all natural, then unspiritual, and then frankly demonic. And I think there's a drift there, that things that we think are neutral, a Christian organization that's trying to do a good job, uh, but by not watching what happens, it moves from, you know, the natural to the unspiritual. Uh, and sadly, you know, that this is true of Christian organizations, it's true of businesses led by Christians, uh, they maybe begin in a neutral pose, but because they're not attentive to what's going on, they become unspiritual. It's all about the money. Uh, and then, uh, you know, maybe the money begins to corrupt because the love of money is at the root of all kinds of evil. And before you know it, you have people who five or ten years ago were uh, really uh, sort of strong for the Lord and going on mission trips. But now they're making so much money they don't have time for any of that stuff anymore. Uh, and maybe what's going on in their life has become, from a biblical perspective, frankly demonic. So, yeah, these are vital areas. Okay, now I got to call you back on that one because you said that was a deeply personal question, but did you answer it? Did, have you ever found you and Felicity pulled off track? I mean, have you seen have you seen the enemy get your attention off of what the Lord had in front of you? Uh, absolutely is the answer to that. And, uh, you know, I'm perhaps bashful to, to say, but let me give you an example from our first company, the Karis Group. Um, very early on in the, the Karis Group, uh, we committed that, uh, the first 10% of uh, all profits would go uh, to the Lord. You know, before what we had to pay on taxes or, you know, anything to try and grow the company or anything like that, the first 10% off the top went to the Lord. Uh, and we faithfully did that for a few years. But uh, we, we began saying, well, look, let's put some of this money aside. Uh, maybe there'll be bigger things we want to be able to help uh, in, a, in a giving sense. And it'd be good if we were allowing some to accumulate. <clears throat> Uh, but uh, then what happened was this money that was supposedly accumulating, uh, we hit some rough times. 
And in the rough times, we thought, oh, well, maybe it's okay to, uh, to just borrow from that money that uh, we had put aside for the Lord. Uh, and before we knew it, it was like uh, what we read in, uh, is it the book of Haggai, that we were putting money into holes with pocket, uh, sorry, into pockets with holes. Uh, and, you know, that whatever we did, it, it wasn't really prospering. Uh, and I guess it went on for that, uh, that way for a couple of years. Uh, and then we, we had some major changes in the company. And as a part of that, I was reviewing our policies uh, with our new CEO. And as we reviewed our policies, I said, and there's this money. But I said, we need to check the accounts. I'm not sure, you know, if that money is there or what. And lo and behold, all this money that had been put aside had been spent while the company was going through bad years but not for the Lord. We covenanted that day that we would begin to give 10% off the top of what is called net profit. It's not a true profit. It's uh, just the money after the expenses, whatever happened, even if it meant we didn't have enough money for taxes or whatever. You know, that was seven years ago, and I think in the seven years since then, we've only had one month, one month in seven years where we did not show a net profit. Uh, and I just know that was the Lord honoring our commitment to not only pay all that money back uh, to him, uh, but to make sure that we always took as the first thing, the 10% that was promised to him. That it was. I appreciate you sharing that story. I, I can tell you there are lots of people out there that have done exactly the same thing. Uh, I, I've seen it done. I, I, it's learning to trust the Lord with everything. Even when it's difficult and doesn't make sense, those are that's a, that's a lesson well learned and a lesson well spoken. Thanks for sharing that from your heart. You know, I got a text from Martha. She goes, "Jim, isn't in order to stay on mission, isn't it our core values those decision filters that help us get back on track or stay on track? How do you use your core values to stay on track on mission at Sidera at the Caris Group personally?" Okay, well, again, this is a vital area, and, you know, the, the relationship between uh, mission, uh, the why, uh, and the values, which are more the how, uh, is very, very important. Uh, so, for example, uh, you know, I've already told you at Sadira that our, our why uh, is based on the fact that we're Christ-centered, community-focused, uh, and consumer-driven. So then the how... Uh, which uh, is how we would describe uh, our core values, then needs to look at, well, every question that we face as a company, how do we find a new employee? Uh, how do we uh, reach out and help this new client? What do we do when, uh, you know, a, a client is proving to be a rogue client and is causing problems for our staff or, or even for that client's own members? You know, the how of what we do uh, is absolutely driven by the values that we've already defined. Uh, so values are essential to an organization. When you look at what the Lord has in front of you, Tony, the mission that is in front of you, and, and I know that you're chasing down a couple of different paths, but when you look at the mission in front of you in your remaining years, so far as what you've been told from the Lord by now, what is the mission that the Lord has Tony Dale on right now? Well, you're right. There are a couple of areas, but I think in the context of this conversation that the mission is to demonstrate to the world around us, so I basically mean to corporate America, that whoever defines that the only way we could pay for health care was through insurance. 
there's a better way. There's a biblical way, and it's called sharing in each other's needs. And when we as a community of people stand together, we demonstrate not only the power of the body of Christ, i.e. of Christians standing together, but the power of community uh, when people, both Christian and non-Christian, say we care enough about each other that we will take responsibility and we will live responsibility uh, in a way that will mitigate or minimize the cost uh, of our health care. And that's, that's what we're doing. We're showing people a different and, we believe, better way to deal with health care costs. And I will vote for you for president or vice president or, you know, maybe just congressman, <laughs> senator. No, how about whatever. I just want to get you on the cabinet so we can get, get this health care solution figured out. Tony Dale, it's always fun talking, and I love what you've done with us today and just kind of taking us down what a mission is and what it looks like to drift off a mission and what some of those organizations look like. I love that your passion is to keep us all on track, chasing after the great things that the Lord has in front of us instead of the good things that sometimes distract us. Tony Dale, thank you for being on I Work for Him today. Thanks for being a supporter. Thanks for being an encourager. And I look forward to next month when we're face-to-face. Amen. Thank you, Tony. Well, you've been listening to I Work for Him as we talk today with Tony Dale about mission and mission drift, or I called it mission creep. Each one of us has been given a mission by God, whether it's in our organizations, our companies, or us personally, but we've been given a, we've been given a mission, a calling. Are you on task or are you off task? Have you drifted off of it? You've been listening to I Work for Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. My workplace, it's my mission field, but ultimately, I work for him. <laughs>